Welcome. <clears throat> Near the beginning of Parshas Yisro, we read of an event that took place, Mimachros, on the day following. The day following what? So for the purposes of this shear, we will accept uncritically the opinion of Rashi that this event took place on the day following Yom Kippur. In other words, the Luchais were originally given on Vav Sivan, but then they eventually were broken because of some very unfortunate circumstances. Then a second set of Luchais were given on Yom Kippur. And then this event took place the next day. This is in Perik Yudches, Pasik Yud Gimel. Vayihimi Machros, and it was on the following day. Vayeshev Moshe Lishpot Esaom. And Moshe, we will translate for the moment, Moshe sat to judge the people. <clears throat> and the people stood al Moshe, I'm going to translate as by Moshe, near Moshe. They stood near Moshe, min haboker ad from the morning until the evening. So Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting there judging the people an entire day. That's what it says in simplicity. Pasik Yudalit, Bayar Chosein Moshe, and the father-in-law of Moshe, Yisro, who had arrived some time before from his homeland of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe saw, all that Moshe was doing to the people. And he said, Yisro said, What is this thing that you are doing to the people? Why do you sit by yourself? And the whole nation is standing by you, standing near you, from the morning until the evening. And Moshe said to his father-in-law, It's because the people come to me to seek out God. They come to me to seek instruction from Hashem. Ki yelehem davar, when they have a thing, meaning when they have some sort of a disagreement, some sort of a legal dispute. Bo elai, so the people come to me. Vishafati bin ishu vein reehu, and I judge between one person and his fellow. I judge between one person and another. Vahodati eschukehu elokim and I make known the laws of God and his Torahs and his instructions. So uh, Yisro seems to be concerned about why Moshe Rabbeinu is sitting there all day and the people have to stand. Moshe says, well, I, I'm sitting in judgment and I'm sitting as a judge and perhaps also he means I'm sitting as a teacher and uh, I'm, I'm busy with this job of judging them and teaching them. Of course, we know the continuation of the story that Yisro felt that that's, uh, that's going to wear out Moshe and it would be better if he, he would apport, if he would, if he would uh, create some sort of a lower court to deal with matters and only the more difficult matters would be brought to Moshe. Let's see Rashi. Yeshev Moshe, Vigoymer, etc. Vayamoid Ha'am, and the people stood. Rashi says, Yoshev Kemelech, Moshe was sitting like a king, 
v'chulon omdin. And all of them, all of the people, were standing. V'hukshah hadover Yisro, And this thing, this situation, was difficult to Yisro. It was problematic in the eyes of Yisro. Shehoyim izalzel b'chvaydan shel Yisrael. Because Yisro felt that Moshe was mezalzel b'chvodan shel Yisrael. He was denigrating the honor of Yisrael. Here, you're, you, Moshe, are sinning, and they, like a king, and they have to stand all day, so you are, you are lowering their, their, uh, their, their covid. V'hochicho al koch. And Yisro rebuked Moshe for this. Shenemar, as it says in Pasuk Yudalit, in the next Pasuk, Madua ato yoshev levadecha v'chulam nitzavim. Why are you sitting by yourself and they all are standing? Let's continue. Menaboker ad ha'erev, from the morning until the evening. Rashi asks a question. Efshaloi markain, is it possible to say that? We will discuss in Yitzhashem soon why, why Rashi felt that it's not possible to say that. But Rashi begins with a question. Is it possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was actually sitting there judging the people uh, all day long? Rashi seems to assume that it can't be. Ella, rather, one must say, any judge who judges a din, he judges a judgment that is emis la'amitai, that is truth for the truth. Uh, there's a whole discussion in Reforshim exactly what that phrase means. We're going to just accept it in a kind of a general, vague way, that it means a truly just judgment. Uh, so any judge who engages in truly proper judgment, even if it's for just one hour or just one short period of time, the Torah, the scripture, considers it for him as if he had been busy, as if he had been studying the Torah all day long. So why does the Pasuk say that, that Moshe was, was sitting and the people were standing from the morning until the evening? That's, Rashi is telling us, we should interpret that not literally. They were not literally sitting there from sunup till sundown. Rather, if, since Moshe Rabbeinu was engaging in dun din emes Amita, he was uh, judging them in a, in, a, in a really true fashion, so it's considered as if he was osek betorah kol hayim. So that's what it means, min aboker, min boker ad orev. And Rashi continues, u'ke'ilu na'asor shutof la'kodesh boruchu b'masa also, the Dayan who engages, even for a short time, in really true judgment, becomes like a partner to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the act of creation. Remarkable. Shenemar, as it says in the Pasuk, in Bracious, really it says, says this phrase many times in Bracious, Vayihi Erev V'Goymer, Vayihi Erev Vayihi Voker. And here in the Pasuk you have, Min Boker Ad Orev. So that's a uh, some sort of a sort of a shava. That's some sort of a hint here, that uh, Moshe, by virtue of judging the people, a din emes amito, it's like he was engaged in that great activity, about which it says in the psukim in Brachus, by hierovai hivoker, 
that he, he, was, he was, in a way, helping HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create the world. This is the Rashi. I'd like to begin with three te- technical questions about these Rashi comments. If we look at Pasuk Yud Gimel, Pasuk Yud Gimel seems to be merely telling us some facts, telling us in a very, um, a very factual way about a certain event. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu sat and judged the people, and the people were standing by Moshe from the morning until the evening. There's certainly no um, judgment of any person being expressed. We don't get any person's opinion about this. We don't apparently even get the opinion of the narrator of the Torah. It seems to be very factual. However, if we look at Rashi, Rashi inserts into his comment on Pasuk Gimel, he inserts Yisroi's judgment about this event, which does not appear in the Pesukim until the next Pasuk. Rashi says that Moshe was Yoshev Kemelech v'chulon omdin. First of all, Rashi puts in that word Kemelech. Pasuk does not say that Moshe was sitting like a Melech. So Rashi inserts that word Melech, which is already somewhat judgmental. It is somewhat uh, opinionated. It is certainly subjective rather than objective. And Rashi continues, And this thing was, was difficult in the eyes of Yisrael because he felt that Moshe was denigrating the honor of Kla Yisrael. Now that idea that, that Yisro criticized what was happening is only, we only find that out in the next Pesach. We don't see that in Pesach Yud Gimel. And Rashi really admits that. Rashi says that this was difficult in the eyes of Yisro. And Yisro rebuked Moshe for it, Shenemar, as it says. And now Rashi quotes the next Pesach, Pesach Yud Dalet. Madua ata yashev levedecha v'chulam nitzavim. Why are you standing by yourself and everybody, why are you sitting by yourself and everybody else is standing up? The general principle that we know is that Rashi usually looks at one Pasuk at a time. When he comes to to another Pasuk, then he'll explain the next Pasuk. It would seem that to give a proper explanation of Pasuk Yud Gimel, you don't have to talk about Yisro's criticisms. Yisro's criticisms are in the next Pasuk. Pasuk Yud Gimel tells us certain facts, gives us a certain objective report about something that happened. In Pasuk Yud Dalit, we find out that for some reason Yisro didn't like it, and, he, and, he, and he, he took Moshe to task for it. But here, Rashi already in Pasuk Yud Gimel seems to be providing a, uh, a subjective, critical interpretation that Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting like a melech, and Yisrael didn't like it, Shenemar, as it says in the next... It seems like Rashi is jumping the gun. He's getting a little too involved in the rest of the narrative when really all he had to do was explain Pasuk Yud Gimel. We didn't read the Rashi word for word, the, the, the first Rashi on the Pasuk, where he explains what it means, Mimachros, where he explains that, it, and it happened on the next day, means the day after Yom Kippur. That we can understand. Rashi was simply explaining what does the, mean, what does the word Mimachros mean? From the day after what? 
That's certainly understandable. But why does Rashi have to, in Pasuk Yud Gimel, in his comments on Pasuk Yud Gimel, why does he have to begin this critical, subjective approach to, uh, to looking at what Moshe Rabbeinu and the people were doing? That's question number one. Question number two, on the words, min haboker, ad, uh, min haboker, min boker, ad orev, not haboker, min boker, ad orev. On those words, Rashi begins with a question. He asks, is it possible to say that? And the question is, why not? Rashi doesn't say why it's not possible to say that. And it seems that, I'm mean, okay, there must be a reason, right? Let's go look at the Mephoshim and find out the reason. But why doesn't Rashi say it? That's question number two. Question number three is that Rashi answers that, no, min boker ad erev, you sh- ad erev, you should not take it literally. Moshe Rabbeinu was not sitting and judging the people literally from morning to night. Rather, he was done din emislamita. He sat for some amount of time, some limited uh, part of the day. He sat and he was judging the people in such a way that is called din emislamita, a, a truly, a really true judgment. And therefore, it's considered as if he had learned Torah all day. That's why it says min boker ad orev. And it's as if he became a partner to a Kaddish Baruch Hu in creation. Why does Rashi have to give two answers? It, it would seemingly have been enough to say that someone who was done din emis Amito, it's as if he learned Torah all day. Okay, so that's why it says min boker ad orev. All or, alternatively, you could have said someone who judges a din emis Amito becomes a partner to a Kaddish Baruch Hu in Masabracious, you could have just said that, but which really is the is the one thing that the uh, the Gemara says. So why did Rashi have to add on Kiilu Osek Batora Kol Hayim? These are our technical questions. Our first question was why does Rashi in his comment in his commentary on Pasuk Yud Gimel jump ahead to tell us information that is only written in Pasuk Yud Dalit? I think the reason is that Rashi understood that Pasikud Gimel in and of itself doesn't really show us anything that Yisroi would, doesn't show anything that, that, that should give Yisroi reason to criticize and to comment. If you read Pasikud Gimel very simply and innocently, uh, then Pasuk Yudalit's not going to make any sense. How is that? Because the Pasuk Yud Gimel says, Vayeshev Moshe, Lishbot et Esa'om. Now that might not mean that he was literally sitting on a chair. Vayeshev can mean that he stayed in one place. As we discussed once, a Pasuk in Sefer Dvorim, Perak Tes, Pasuk Tes, Moshe Rabbeinu said regarding his experience on Har Sinai, he said, Bahar Arbaim Yom Laila. 
Eshev, and there Rashi says, Ein Yeshiva, Ela Akova. Yeshiva just means Akova, to stay in one place, but not necessarily to sit. So Vayeshev Moshe, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting. And the Pasuk says, Vayamod Ha'am, the word Vayamod, the word Amida, does not necessarily have to mean that they were standing on their two feet. For example, we find a Pasuk in Sefer Yeshua, describing how Yeshua made the sun stand still. Even in English, we say the sun stood still. In the Pasuk, it says, Vayamod Hashemesh Vechatsi Hashemayim, the sun stood at halfway into the sky. It stood at, at full, the way it would be at full, at exactly noontime, halfway through its travel through the sky. It did not push to come down to the other side for a whole day. Now, the sun does not stand on two feet, nor does it sit on a chair. What does it mean, It means it stayed in one place. So maybe here where it says, Moshe really was not sitting. He was just staying. And means the people not necessarily were standing on their two feet. They were just staying in one place near Moshe Rabbeinu. And if you read the Pasuk like that, if you read Pasuk Yud Gimel like that, then Pasuk Yud Dalit is very hard to understand. Why would Yisrael criticize Moshe Rabbeinu? Therefore, Rashi felt the need to explain already in Pasuk Yud Gimel that Vayeshev Moshe means Yoshev Kemelech. He was stand, he was sitting like a melech, meaning he was sitting on, on some sort of a chair, like a melech. And that is that we can see from the from Yisrael's words in the next Pasuk, where he says, Lama ato yosh, Madua ato Yoshev Lefanecha. Why are you sitting? Pardon me, Levadecha. Why are you sitting all by yourself? You're like sitting in a special place, like a king sits on his throne. So Rashi is proving that Vayeshev Moshe really means he was sitting. And Vayamoid Ha'am does not just mean they were staying in one place, because it says in Pasik Yudalit, Vechola'am Nitzav. The word Nitzav does mean to stand on one's two feet doesn't just mean to be in one, to stay in one place. So Rashi had to support, had to bring support from Yudalit in order to help us understand the simple meaning of Pasuk Yud Gimel. Our second technical question was about this, that Rashi's, Rashi asks a question, Is it possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was literally uh, sitting and judging the people uh, min boker ad oriv, or min haboker ad oriv. Rashi just says, efshaloi markin. Doesn't say why it's not possible to say so. So here there are several possible explanations for why it's not possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was literally sitting and judging the people for a whole day. The Gemara in Mesech the Shabbos, which is really the, the, one of the sources for this Rashi comment, the Gemara in, in Mesech the Shabbos says, Efshar le'markein, Torosei When would Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah be done? Moshe Rabbeinu's 
he didn't have just one role as a judge. He was also someone who's, who learned Torah for himself, and he was someone who taught Torah to, to the whole nation. So if he was sitting and judging the whole day, the Gemara asks, how could that be? That's one possibility. Another possibility is in the Mechilta, in the, in the Midrash on, on Sefer Shemos, which is also a source for this Rashi comment. But there, the Mechilta spells out that the question was, the halach is that Dayanim only sit in judgment up until the time of Sa'uda. There's a certain time, I think it's maybe four hours into the day, when that is the expected time for the Dayanim to have their first big meal of the day, and they only sit in judgment until then. So that's another possibility. A third possibility is mentioned by several of the Mephorshim, is that Rashi told us at the very beginning that by Yehimi Machros, that this event happened on the following day. The day following what? It happened on the day following Yom Kippur. Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchas Shniyos, he came down with the second set of Luchas, and then, then he sat to judge the people, and then Yisro had what to say about it, and so on. Now, the day after Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchas, Moitzoy Yom Kippurim was a very important was a very important day for a different reason, because we read in Parshas VaYakel that Moshe Rabbeinu commanded the people about building the Mishkan, and it didn't take five minutes to give that commandment. It's a long commandment. He told them all about um, he told them all about what they had to do. And they began to do the work. And when did that take place? It took place, Rashi says, Lamachras Yom HaKippurim. So there are three possible reasons why it's difficult to say that Moshe Rabbeinu would have been judging the people literally min haboker ato arif. So the only question remaining is, why doesn't Rashi mention any of them? So the Sefer... Um, the Sefer Tzedah Lederich is one of the classic super commentaries on Rashi. I don't quote it all that often. It's a, it's a Sefer that's, that's not so easy to learn. It, it, almost every piece is very long and complex. But it's a very important Sefer. The Sefer Tzedah Lederich explains that since there are all these different reasons why it would be difficult to say that Moshe Rabbeinu literally sat from morning to evening, Therefore, Rashi left it blank. He left it for the reader to decide. You, you pick a reason why it's it's Le'efsholoimarkin. Our third technical question is that why does Rashi answer his question with two answers? Why wasn't one answer good enough? Rashi answers that um, that that any dayan who was done din emesli amita it's keilu osek. That's one answer. So he was not literally sitting there all day, but it's considered as if he was sitting there all day. And another answer is that anyone who was done, done emes amitai, is nasa shutaf la'kodesh baruchu b'masa b'reshu. That person becomes like a partner to a'kodesh baruchu in ma'asa b'reshu. Why does he need two answers? Maskel the David 
explains that Rashi really has two goals in his commentary here. One goal is to answer the question, how is it possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting in judgment all day long? But Rashi really had a second uh, implicit question. He had a separate implicit goal, an unstated goal in his comments here. And that goal is to explain the words, Min haboker ad ha'orev. Why didn't it just say kol uh, hayayim? Or why did it have to mention, or could have just said uh, for a long time, for for a long period of time? Why did the Torah specifically use the words min haboker ad ha'orev? Therefore, Chazal answered. We find in the Gemara and in the Midrash that Chazal give the answer that Moshe Rabbeinu by sitting and judging a, a very correct judgment, a din emes namitai, he became a shutaf la'kodesh borachu v'maseh b'reishis. Maseh b'reishis is stated many times in the Torah. The Torah uses the words vayihi erev, vayihi voker. So erev and voker are a remez to maseh b'reishis. That's why the Torah used here the words bina boker ad erev. But there's a problem with that. Because if the point was that he was judging, if the point was that by being such a good Dayan, he became a shut of Lakodesh Borchub Masabracious, so then maybe the Pasuk should have said exactly like what it says about Masabracious. In Masabracious, it always puts the Erev before the Boker. So maybe here it could have said, it should have said, Mina Erev Ara Boker. So Maskele David explains, so therefore Rashi added another answer. His other answer is that since Moshe Rabbeinu was done din din done, pardon me, done din emes lamitai, therefore Rashi says that he was keilo oisek patera mina boker ada orev. But that's a little difficult also because then still it could have said kol hayayim. So there are two answers. Since each one is a little bit difficult, each one has a certain weakness. So this is the Maskil the Dove Shita in many places, that when Rashi gives two answers, that's an indication that each answer has a certain weakness, not a not a not a lethal, not a deadly fault, but a certain certain slight weakness. And therefore Rashi said the other answer, and that one has a slight weakness. So Rashi said the first answer. So Rashi here gives two answers to his question. All of this is good. For the technical questions, there is a more basic question here, a more basic question on just what does Rashi mean here? Why is someone who was done din emes considered as if he has learned Torah all day long and as if he is a shutaf la kodesh borachu b'masabreshis? Why are these equivalents? The Gorarye explains as follows. Dayan who issues a ruling, who issues a psak halacha, has accomplished what he calls a gemar ushlemus. He has done a complete thing. person came with a question, am I permitted to do on Shabbos this, this, or that? The Dayan said, asr, or motor. person came with a, with a certain food, may I, am I permitted to eat this food? According to the laws of the Torah, the Dayan said, asr, or motor. It's what Maral calls a gemar 
Ushlemus. It's, it's finished. Now, in, when it comes to Limud Torah, there really is no Gemar Ushlemus. No matter how much a person learns, there's always more to learn. There's always a review, and there's always a new angle, and there's always a greater profundity, and there's always, there's always more to learn. So in Torah, one never really comes to a Gemar Ushlemus. The only thing is, there's a Pasuk in Yeshua that says, Vahagisabo Yemim Valayla. You shall, Vahagisa um, is a question exactly what's the proper translation. I will say for the moment, you will, uh, you will recite the words of the Torah. You will study the words of the Torah, Yemim Valayla, in the day and at night. There is a certain measure of Shlemus. If a person will learn Torah in the day, and at night. It doesn't necessarily mean all day and all night. That's very difficult. One needs to do some other things. But if a person will learn at least within one 24-hour period, will learn a certain amount of time in the day and a certain amount of time at night, that is a certain sort of a shlemus. And therefore explains Maral, the Dayan who has issued a psak, which is a which is an, a, a matter of gemar ushlemus. It is a full thing. So that's equivalent to a person who learned Torah all day, meaning he learned yoimam v'layla. That's as close as you get to a shlemus in Torah. In Torah, you never really come to a full shlemus, but there's a sort of a shlemus if you learn in the day and in the night, and particularly if you would learn most of the day and most of the night, all of the day, all of the night, as much as possible of the day and as much as possible of the night. So therefore, there's an equivalence between the Dayan who has issued a Psak Halacha. That's a, that's a matter of Gemar Ushlemus. That's equivalent to someone who has learned who was Isaac Betera all day, because that's also a Gemar in Shlemus in Torah. Regarding Rashi's second answer, that the person who is done din emesli amito is shutaf la'kodesh borochu, the masabracious, the maral, the gurariya here says what he calls a dover nifla, a, a wondrous thing. Of course, whenever I see those words in the maral, to me that's a sign that maybe I should <laughs> go do something else. I usually don't understand when he says dover nifla, but here I think a little bit, I even I can understand. The maral explains that a Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world bedin. Kodesh Baruch Hu, in the, his original, quote-unquote, conception of the world, it was going to be a world that operated on din. Din meaning, midas adin, either you do what's right, and that's great, and you do what's wrong, and that's the end of you. Everything has to be done on strict justice. That's really how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to create the world. Chazal tell us this. Rashi mentions it in, uh, in Sefer Bracious. And the Maral says uh, one proof to this is, because you find over and over again in the Masa Bracious, in the Torah's narratives of creation, it says, Vayoymer Elohim. It always uses the name Elohim, which we know represents the Midas Adin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Midah of strict justice. Therefore, explains the Maral, I'll read a few words here. 
therefore, a person who sits even one hour in judgment, and he means here in proper judgment, this person becomes a partner with the Kodesh Baruch Hu in Masabrashis, Sharehu Mishaber Bemida Shinivruva Masabrashis. This person who is judging is Mishaber. He connects himself to the Mida with which creation was, was accomplished. Creation was made with the Mida Sadin. The person who was done Din Emisli Amito, he is coming into contact with that Mida Sadin. He is deciding decisively, this person's right, this person's wrong. This person has to pay the money, this person does not have to pay the money. This person did a particular Avera and receives a certain punishment, this person did not. That's Amida Sadin. So he is Mishaber, he is connecting with the same Mida with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. And therefore, he is Nasa Shutaf LaKadosh Baruch Hu um, based on this explanation of the Gerari, I think we can understand, we can answer one more question on these psukim. And this is a question that I did not see in any of the Mepharshim, but it, but it bothers me. If we look at Pasuk Yud Gimel, so we have the phrase, Min haboker ad ha'ariv, that Moshe Rabbeinu was judging the people from morning until evening, and Yisro had a complaint about that. Yisro also said, Min Boker Ad Oriv. But if you look carefully at both of the Psukim, the Min Boker Ad Oriv refers at least in part to the people, not only to Meshur Rabbeinu. Let's take a look at Pasig Yud Gimel. Vahimi Machros, Vayeshev Moshe Lishvot Hesa'am. Moshe sat to judge the people. Vayamid Ha'am al Moshe, and the people stood by Moshe. The people were standing near Moshe, they were doing something, and the same thing in Pasuk Yudalit where Yisro is speaking. He says, Why do you, Moshe Rabbeinu, sit all by yourself? And the whole people are standing by you, so that means the people were standing from the morning to the evening. Now, the way Rashi explains it, Rashi says that the words minaboker um, ad or minboker ad are not to be taken literally. No one was really doing it. Moshe Rabbeinu was not judging the people literally all day long. It means that he was done din emisli amito. That's like, that's considered like he was either learning Torah all day or like he was... Uh, Oh, well, that's good for Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was doing something so great that it's considered like he was either studying Torah all day or like he was doing the same thing that Hashem did. He was also, in a way, he was a partner in the creation of the world. But again, that's good for Moshe Rabbeinu. The people, what did they do? Why, why does the Pasuk make it sound as if they were standing there, min They were not being done din emis la I think we can we can understand this based on a Mishnah 
in Pirkei Avos, and based on the Maharal's explanation there, he wrote a commentary on Pirkei Avos called Derech Chaim, and it really goes together with the answer that we just said to the other question. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Ches, says, this is instructions to a Dayan. When the Balei Hadin, when the litigants are standing in front of you, they should be in your eyes as if they are evil people. Meaning you have to suspect that anything they say might not be true, and you have to know how to question them, and you have to know how to sometimes compel somebody to swear to what he says. You, you can't be too soft towards either one of the litigants. You have to look at them as if each one is out to trick the other. However, when they exit from you, when they leave you, then they should be in your eyes as innocent and good people. When they accept upon themselves the din. Assuming, on condition, that they accepted upon themselves the ruling that you gave, so then you should consider both part, both parties to be tzaddikim. Now some Mepharshim, the, 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 the Rav, the Rabbi Avadya, Miber Tanoro, explains that um, why should you consider them to be tzaddikim after they leave? He says, well, even though Ruvain said that Shimon owes him $1,000, and really based on the claims and based on the evidence and based on the testimony, comes out that Shimon does not have to pay that money. He really did not owe that money to Reuven. But the Dayan should think that uh, maybe Reuven made a mistake. Maybe he thought he had lent $1,000 to Shimon, but he really lent it to someone else. Or maybe the money really had been paid back, but he, but he forgot about it. So the Dayan should, 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 look, should look at it as if whoever turned out to be wrong was just making a mistake. The Rabbeinu Yaina, in his commentary on Perkayove, says that uh, both parties should be considered in the eyes of the Dayan to be tzaddikim because uh, whoever was lying did shuva already. It's true that Reuven claimed that Shimon owed him $1,000, and it turned out that it wasn't true. So that, that means Reuven's lying. He's not a tzaddik. But if he walked out of base din and he didn't complain and he didn't throw anything at the Dayan and he didn't to refuse to pay... So, you have to assume that he did shuva, he repented, and now he's at tzaddik again. The Maharal explains it a little differently, much differently. He says, Ki This that they accepted the ruling after the disagreement that they had had, That's because of the tzidkus that each litigant has Within himself. Therefore, therefore, he accepts the din, which is tzedek. The ruling is tzedek, the ruling is righteous. And why does the person accept it? Assuming that he does accept it, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a case where the person does accept it. That's because he has within himself a certain degree of tzedek. Even if the person originally came to quarrel and to disagree and to only represent the side that's going to give him the profit, but that's before he arrived 
at what the Maral calls the Midas HaTzedek, Shehu HaMishpat. That's before he came to the Beis Din, which is the place where the Mida of Sedek and Mishpat reigns. Aval Kasher Higia El HaTzedek. But when he came to Tzedek, when he came before the Dayan to, to receive the Tzedek, Dahainu Adin, which is the Din, whom Ikabel Alav HaTzedek, the person accepts upon himself the Tzedek. Again, we're talking in such a case where he did, not where he refused to, but he accepts upon himself the Tzedek, and therefore, Oz Shnehem Tzadikim. Now, both litigants are Tzadikim. Both the one who, whose claim turned out to be true, and even the one whose claim turned out to be false. They're both Tzadikim, because both of them have come, and they have been touched, and they have had a connection with Tzedek. So we see here there's such a thing called Kabbalah Sadin. The Tzedek that is taking place in a base din, in front of a Dayan, is not only the ruling that the Dayan issues. Of course, that, that has to be Tzedek. That's what he's there for. He's there to, to administer Tzedek, to administer Din. But there's also something called Kabbalah Sadin, where both litigants accepted upon themselves, and they are touched and influenced by that Midas HaTzedek and Midas HaDin. And therefore, it could be in these psukim, Moshe Rabbeinu was Yoshev Vidun Din Emislamitai for, let's say, an hour or two. It's considered for him that he was Isaac Petera Kolayim and that he was Shut of the Masabracious because he was Mishaber El Hadin, as Maral explained in the, in the previous comment. He became connected to, he touched the Midas HaTzedek, but that holds true for the people also. The people also, by accepting upon themselves the din, they also had a brush, they had a touch. They were able to touch and to become influenced by the Midas HaDin. So for them also, it's considered that they were involved in Torah or involved in Masav Reishis, Min Ad HaOrev.